Welcome to the sermon podcast of Redemption Church. The following sermon is by pastoral resident Ian Mulraney. All right. That was a pretty good example of how much I love Zoom and uh, am so grateful we get to be doing it again tonight because this is hour 14 on Zoom for me this week and, you know, it's just the best. So anyway, no, I am uh, wish I could be there with all of you guys in person, but excited to still get to uh, share this message and get to reflect on this passage. So um Lord, can you just still our hearts and minds and just be able to speak to us now so that way we can uh, know your presence, see you among us, and hear from you. May you just speak to us so as we go from this place, we can go living out the rest of our week and our lives, uh, knowing how we are to handle our wealth and what wealth use looks like in the kingdom. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, yeah. So, uh, This is week two of our overall Teachings of Jesus series, which is very exciting. Um, But specifically week two of what does Jesus have to say about money? And so we get to hear the passage of the rich young ruler, or Luke just calls him the ruler. And um, yes, we're going to be diving into that. If you guys, hopefully you're all familiar with this passage, but if not, I want to take a moment just right here at the front, um, throw it in the chat. I want us to just do some critical analysis, reading comprehension of what is it that the rich young ruler has and what is it that the rich young ruler wants or is that that he is seeking? So let's get some answers in the chat there. Money gold, etc. It's no question he certainly has those things. I'm going to guess it was Rosie who said that he has power. That's a pretty good uh, insight there, but I'm actually going to tell you, I think the correct answer to what the rich young ruler has is actually nothing. Or should I rather say he has the illusion of security. He has the illusion of having lots of things. And here's why I think that. Uh, The reason is, you know, because he's supposed to be rich, he's supposed to be young, he's supposed to be powerful because he's a ruler. Um, If he really had money and security and power, then what is he doing seeking out this wandering prophet uh, asking them for eternal life? What is going on in his heart that he feels totally unat ease, that he has to come away from his normal abodes of mansions and palaces of power to find this desert preacher and ask, what can I do for eternal life? And that actually gets to what is he actually seeking as well? Um, A lot of you said eternal life because that's the words that he used. But I think what he's actually looking for is something more. I think he's looking for security. I think he's looking for peace in his heart. And I think what he's actually seeking but doesn't know how to say is that he is looking for what only Jesus can offer. He's looking for God. This rich, young, powerful ruler, 
he knows something is not right in his life. He knows he lacks something, even though he should have everything that can make one happy and secure in life. Something is still missing. And so he comes to Jesus thinking, well, maybe I'm just scared of dying. But what he doesn't realize and what Jesus tries to teach this man is that he doesn't just want to live forever or avoid hell. What he wants and what we all want is to know God. And so that's the main lesson for tonight. The main lesson is that uh, true security in this life can only be found in abandoning all our hopes to Jesus. So let's kind of go back to the beginning of the passage and just do a quick overview debrief of it. Um, All right. So the certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. So he's kind of trolling him here a little bit. Uh, Jesus is not making a statement that he's not divine. He's making a statement that um, this person is calling him good. And he's trying to say, so what are you actually looking for? No one's good except God alone. So what do you think about me? And then Jesus gives him an answer on what he has to do to get to heaven, to have eternal life. You know the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. What these actually are, the commandments that he's telling him, they're about half of the Ten Commandments. Um, Interestingly enough, though, Jesus again seems to be sort of playing a, a game with him. He wants this man to think for himself and to discover what it is that he actually wants. Those are um, all good commandments that we should all follow. And hopefully all of us have actually, you know, I don't think anyone here has murdered anybody. But um, those are just half of them. What's not listed that Jesus uh, lists from the Ten Commandments, do not covet. Uh, Keep the Sabbath. It would be hard for a rich person to uh, keep the Sabbath who's working on the hustle because uh, the Sabbath is not only for your own rest, but it's for the rest of your uh, servants and workers as well. And most importantly, what seems to be absent here is love. Uh, God, you shall have no other idols or put anything else before God. And so Jesus doesn't list all the commandments. He just lists, you know, the low ball ones and, The man's like, I've kept all these since I was a boy. He realizes that there's something still lacking. Even though he's been good, even though he's kept the commandments, something is missing. And so Jesus hears this and he says to him, and uh, in the gospel of Mark, Mark actually writes, Jesus looks at him with compassion and says, you still lack one thing. Sell everything that you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Here's the key invitation to follow God. And what happens? He hears this and the man becomes very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? 
Why is it hard for the rich to enter the kingdom? I think it's because we all, to cope with the calamity and tragedies of life, we all put up these false security barriers that we can cling to that give us the illusion of having some kind of control over our lives. It's a false security. And the logic follows that the more stuff that you have, the more false security you're able to create for yourself in this life. The invitation Jesus gives him is go sell everything, give it to the poor and follow me. Just imagine if you were to go through your house or your home or apartment or wherever and sell all of your possessions. It's hard. It's hard because you're giving up some luxury things like entertainment and you know no more tv no more laptop you're cutting off communication you're getting rid of reliable transportation if you're selling your car you might be giving up items that have special meaning to you the illusion of security is powerful it promises us you know wealth promises us security for the future power promises us that everything can be under our control um having the right morals or being on the right team or right organization makes us feel like we don't have to worry about the future because everything is going to be okay. But the reality of this life is that there is no true security in any of those things, not in wealth, not in power, not in our possessions. The reality is You could wake up tomorrow morning and have your home and everything destroyed by a tornado or burned down in a fire or the Delaware could flood. You could be fired from your job for something that somebody else did, you know, that was completely beyond your control. Your car could be totaled by a garbage truck while it's parked out front of somebody's house. That happened to a friend of mine. (laughs) Uh, We think we have security in these things. We think we can just, um, that if I have this stuff, everything's going to be okay. And the reality is that it could be taken away from us at any moment. This is getting back a little bit to the passage Gary read last week, where we don't know how much time we're guaranteed, and we don't know how much time our stuff is guaranteed either. And so it's hard for the rich because they have so much of it. You get to this place of comfort and safety and protection that you can convince yourself, I'm okay. But what we see from the rich young ruler is you know that you're not. You're not because security is not found in our stuff or our money or our savings accounts or our retirement funds. Security is only found in God. This goes back to the Garden of Eden, right? The choice was between trusting in yourself with the tree of knowledge of good and evil or trusting in God. And it's the same story that each of us lives out every single day. Do I want to trust God with my future or do I want to trust myself? And so what this invitation of go sell everything you have and follow me is, it's he wants him to be with God. You know, Jesus is doing this out of compassion and love. Jesus wants this man to know true freedom that can only be found in him. And that means that this ruler would have to let go of control 
It means he would have to no longer be responsible for his own physical, emotional, spiritual well-being, but he has to trust that God is who God says he is and that God is going to take care of all those things, that God's going to care for his physical needs of his body, making sure he has enough food and shelter at night, that God's going to help his mind to be well and healthy, that God's going to be there when tragedies um, cause him to experience grief and loss and pain, that God is going to give him the eternal life which he thinks that he seeks. It's scary for him as it's scary for us because it means surrendering control. So what is it? What is it that God is calling us to abandon right now? What is God looking at in your life where you put most of your security and hope and you feel like you can sleep through the night because you have this savings account or you have this house or you have this job? What is it that God is calling you to abandon, to find true security, not in that, but in him. I just wanted to show a quick picture to exemplify this from history. All right, so this is the temple, the statue of Zeus uh, on the left. That was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. People flocked from all over to come and see it. This magnificent, gigantic golden statue and then on the right, that's the statue today. Uh, me and Amanda were actually there a couple of years ago, and they have like a plaque in front of it with that picture of like describing what it used to look like and how this was one of the seven wonders of the world that uh, was just one of the most marvelous, magnificent things. And that's it today. And I remember thinking like, wow, this is it. Like it's just a bunch of dirty rocks. The things that we think are beautiful and guarantee security and power today are not eternal. They're not everlasting. Um, so yeah, that's just an example to think of as something, but I wanted you guys to um, kind of think of this passage in context too, because there's some heavy things in here and uh, there's some confusing things too. Like, the camel going through the eye of a needle. What does it mean that that's impossible? You know, can anyone be saved? And so my advice is whenever you face a passage that's confusing in scripture, especially in the gospels, what I like to do is I like to read the passage right before it and the passage right after it and ask myself, how does this, how do the passages before and after relate to the passage I'm confused about? Because what you might find is that there's actually themes that go through these stories that you might not pay attention to otherwise. And so um, the passage that comes right before this one in Matthew, Mark, and Luke is Jesus telling people that they need to enter the kingdom like little children. Then you get the story of the rich young ruler who comes and asks about eternal life and is told he has to go sell everything. And then in Luke, the story that follows right afterwards is the story of Zacchaeus. Uh, I'm sure we're all familiar with the story of Zacchaeus from Sunday school, but um, if not, he, and even if you are, one of the things that gets left out of that story is the fact that Z Zacchaeus wasn't just a wee little man. He was a very rich wee little man. He was a tax collector. And uh, what tax collectors would do was they were able to they had the freedom to exploit the people that they were taxing, um, usually collecting money under the table that the Romans let them have and didn't have to, uh, you know, announce them. And that's how they, the Romans were able to 
get people to be tax collectors because they usually could cheat people and become filthy rich. That was Zacchaeus. Um, and what you see at the end of the Zacchaeus story, Jesus goes to his house and shares dinner with him. And then Zacchaeus ends by declaring to everybody at his house that he's going to give half of his possessions away to the poor and that anyone he cheated, he's going to pay back four times the amount that he cheated them. He's going to give away half of his possessions and he's going to pay back people he cheated four times the amount. He actually does what Jesus is asking the rich young ruler to do. Because if, if Zacchaeus does not give away everything after that, it's going to be most of what he has. And he does it without being prompted by Jesus. Jesus doesn't tell him he has to do this or that he must. But Zacchaeus just does it because he finds his freedom in Jesus. I think that's the key difference between Zacchaeus, the rich tax collector and the ruler who's a rich young man because why does Zacchaeus climb the tree he climbed up in the sycamore tree for the lord he wanted to see and that's actually in the scriptures too like Zacchaeus climbs because he wants to see Jesus he doesn't care about eternal life he knows he doesn't have everything that's why he's seeking out but he does it because he wants to see Jesus he wants to be with Jesus, and Jesus comes over to his house, and then spending time with him, he gets this freedom and this just freedom from the false securities he has because now he knows that he has security in Christ. So, I think a point that I just want to make is that I've heard people say that, you know, this passage is just for the rich young ruler, but as we see from Zacchaeus, he found freedom in obeying uh, that, not a command, but just freedom in giving away his possessions and radical generosity. Um, but I also am familiar with the far other end of that response, which is like, no, as Christians, we must sell all our belongings and we must uh, give to the poor in order to be with God. And if you don't, if you own like two coats, then you're sinning against God. And um, I think we can take it radically one way or the other. We can try and make ourselves feel better by saying, oh no, this isn't for us. And we can try and make ourselves feel better by saying, oh no, I need to do exactly this. And I just want to say to us that it's a relationship. It's not a test. Um, Jesus doesn't tell him go and sell everything as like a pass fail exam. Jesus does it because he sees the chains that bind this man to his stuff that's not going to save him on his deathbed. And he wants him to experience the freedom and joy that life with Jesus can offer now. Same thing for Zacchaeus. Jesus doesn't tell him he has to do this stuff. Zacchaeus just does it because he realizes what that freedom can offer. And there's lots of Christians who have lived through life, who have been wealthier than both of these men who have loved God uh, perfectly. And there's been Christians who have given up everything. The point is not you have to do one or the other. The point is that you have to find yourself wanting God. You have to find yourself in relationship with Jesus and he's going to lead you. That being said, I do think that all of us struggle in some ways with finding security and things that aren't fulfilling. 
And so I do think that uh, there is a calling for us each to live in a radically generous way in some way or another. I'll come back to that because I want to tell you guys that when I was younger, I actually carried out this passage, uh, not in the full extent to selling everything I had, but I was a little bit more legalistic back in the day. I also wanted to just take Jesus at face value and be like, well, Jesus said, go sell all your possessions and give to the poor. And so I wanted to see what would happen if I did do that. Um, And so I did this wanting to please God, like I said, a little bit out of legalism, but also just wanting to trust God. And here's what happened. Um, I found myself playing too many video games at one point in my life, uh, staying up way too late, looking at a screen, and just finding myself putting, you know, instead of taking time to reflect, instead of taking time to pray, instead of taking time to be with people, I kind of buried a lot of negative feelings in my video games. It was a source of security for me. And so one day I read this passage and became convicted, realizing that's what I'd been doing. So I packed up my game system, took my games down to the store, ended up selling them, getting back like 160 bucks worth of stuff. Um, And then I went into South Philly and I just looked around for somebody or people that I could give this wealth that I had uh, now acquired from selling my game system to. What I ended up, uh, I spent about an hour walking around. I didn't find anybody. Uh, was a little shocked by this. So I was going to my car at, and literally as I had my key in the lock, I heard somebody ask behind me, excuse me, do you have money I could buy food with? I turn around, there's a woman there. So we went to a bodega, we shared a meal. And because she was the only person that I found, I ended up giving her the rest of the cash that I had. Um, and you know, something amazing that came out of that story, she took that money, she bought a Bible and became a Christian, turned her life around. And now she owns one of the, she became a business owner herself in the city and just has this miraculous story of turning her life around to Jesus and becoming a successful, happy individual. And, um, that's how the story would go if I could write it. Um, One thing I learned from this experience was if we end up deciding to follow Jesus and doing this passage literally, we don't get to write the story. I did find out how her name was Lulu. I found out how Lulu spent the money and she bought over $100 worth of Victoria's Secret lingerie with it. And it wasn't the way that I was hoping the money would get spent, but part of surrendering control is surrendering our control over people as well and letting trusting that god has a relationship with them also um the epilogue to this story then is that a year later i had received in the mail from one of my best friends from high school just out of goodwill and out of um him trying to treat me with a gift he ended up buying me a brand new xbox with some games and he mailed it to my house didn't tell me he was going to do it he just knew i didn't have a game system at the time he didn't know why i got rid of my game system and so then i ended up with an xbox again this is a very weird experience and 
the wrong lessons to take from it are like, oh, if I go and sell my possessions, I'll get something back in return. Um, I'm not saying that happens. I think Jesus was trying to teach me about my legalism that like, no, you are allowed to have some fun and play video games occasionally. Um, you know, so don't go sell your house and think that you're going to get a mansion or something like that, because I'm not saying that happens. But I'm saying that I learned a lot about God and just having this freedom to go. I got to meet somebody that I would have never met otherwise and build a relationship with them. I got to get closer to the poor because I decided to sell my things and love, you know, my neighbor as I love myself. Um, and I got to see how Jesus cares about me also, that he would just let me have that experience as weird as it was and that he just uh, worked through it. And so I say all this to say, you can take this passage literally if you wanted to, but you have to do it with love. You can't do it um, like the rich young ruler because I want to get to heaven. I don't want to burn in hell. You have to do it with love. You have to do it because you want a relationship with God. Um, Paul reminds us that too. You know, you can be the best uh, behaved, most wholesome, live in poverty, pray 24-7 Christian. But if you don't have love, it's worthless because God is love. So you can take this passage literally. You don't need to sell everything or anything because God loves you, right? Jesus came to remind us of the fact that God loves you. But you do probably need to work at radical generosity in some way. So find those things that you put your false hope and security in and ask God how you can let go of that so that you can trust him and walk in his ways more this week. To conclude, I do want to just kind of go back over those last few verses that I cut Marjorie off from. Um, Jesus says, you know, it's impossible with man, but it is possible with God giving us hope that, you know, everybody, no one is beyond the love of God. Even the richest people who are trusting in uh, all of their stuff. But then Peter tells him, we've left everything we have to follow you. To which Jesus replies, truly, I tell you, no one who has left home, wife, brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come, eternal life. We're not getting rid of our stuff if we sell our possessions. We're actually just investing in real wealth, treasures in heaven. I don't think it's going to be like gold plates and bars of silver I think it's going to be the important things. I think it's going to be relationships. I think it's going to be a closeness and a serenity of walking with God. Who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is going to be, you know, maybe we'll get to heaven. There will be actual treasure there or something. But I think there's going to be something more valuable that we find here in this age and in the age to come, eternal life, which the rich young ruler was seeking. You know, I the reason I think this is because a few years ago, I had to make the choice between following the route my parents had planned for my life and going into ministry. And I made the decision to go into ministry, and my parents were very upset and angry and uh, called me up, cursing me out. Whenever we ended up having conversations after that, they were super 
angry at me. But what I learned, you know, um, our relationship was broken for a season where I didn't feel like I could go to be with them and be in that house. And I'd lost my parents for that season. But what happened was I ended up finding that I had a family of hundreds of people from the churches that I had gone to, um, people from the ministry I was working in, just other Christians that I met at the airport and other places, people who showed this love and warmth towards me, who had become my hundredfold family that God promises, even though I had left behind my biological ones. And that season is over. But we have tangible treasures that we can see now when you walk away from the things that you are putting your false hope in. So go get Jesus, leave whatever it is that's holding you back from him, whether it's your riches, whether it's your job, whether it's whatever you think is guaranteeing you freedom and go get Jesus. He's the only one that guarantees you absolute security and freedom. And he loves you. He wants you to be free of those things which are holding you captive. If you go, if you follow him, you're going to find that with God, it is possible. That with him, he is your security. That the money for the checks, you know, the bills that you don't know where it's going to come from, it's going to show up that you're going to find transportation, that you're going to find shelter. It's going to come in ways you won't even imagine. And if you're scared, receive it like a child, right? Just run to him recklessly. And little children aren't afraid to admit when they're afraid, right? Tell him you're afraid. Tell him what you're afraid of. Ask him to be your security. And if necessary, start giving and selling. To find out more about Redemption Church, visit redemptionbristol.org.